So welcome to the Alamo City Investing Show with your hosts, Aaron Beal and Jason Lee. This has been something that honestly, I've probably had in the works since before I met Jason and then kind of included him in my project to start this that never went anywhere because that's how things go with me. But today we're getting this thing going. We're excited to just kind of have a presence of you know what's going on in San Antonio from investors that you know are actually doing stuff here and you know share that with the world. So to get started, you know, you know, we're just kind of jump into kind of our, our goals with this and kind of our plan with this and kind of why, you know, why we're doing this and why now. So I'll kind of hand that over to Jason and you know why why this podcast, kind of what's some of our thoughts and you know goals and purpose behind that. Definitely. So we really just want to make a local podcast, kind of like you were saying, Aaron, just one, let let people know what's going on in the market. I mean, the thing we've seen the last year, two years is that stuff's constantly changing. It's a buyer's market one second, seller's market another second. Everything just seems kind of up in the air right now. And so you really don't know what's going on unless you're looking at the data and then also just talking to people that are doing stuff every single day, right? These are loan officers that are actually doing loans. These are title companies that are actually doing transactions and closing deals. So we wanted to not only just between ourselves, but bring other people and interview them here too, and just get their perspectives on things, see where the market's at. And then as well as just like tricks, tips and stuff, just to help people with investing. Because we know there's a lot of people out there that are getting started in the real estate journey. They're in the middle of it. They're trying to grow their businesses, whatever it might be. Um, just from trying to provide that valuable information for them, for sure. Good deal. Yeah. And I think if you've seen any of my stuff or listened to anything I put out, you'll you'll kind of hear this repeating of a lot of times I do things through the frame of, yeah, I wish this was a thing when I was getting started, or I wish you know this was out there when I was looking into real estate. And a lot of things that I do are through that frame of, hey, if I thought this would have been helpful to me five years ago, like, let's do it. So whether that's just putting information out there, hopping on calls with people, whatever, I just try to think of things of, if I was getting started, what would have been helpful to me? I mean, I think that's, you know, that's one of our goals with this is, you know, allow people, whether they're local or whether they, you know, heard San Antonio is a great place to invest, you know, something they can listen to from people who are on the ground here, know the market, actually, you know, do projects, do deals, whatever in the market. And, you know, hopefully provide some, some real insight to that, you know, whether it's good or bad. I mean, honestly, I tell people a lot of times I, I wouldn't invest in San Antonio if I didn't live here. So not that it's a good or bad place to be, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of things from my perspective are just the, Hey, if I was getting started, would this be helpful? And then we try to do things like that. So with that, I mean, that's a lot of the my kind of purpose with that, I mean, Jason may have other objectives as well. I, gu- I guess getting into that, Jason, why why should anyone listen to anything we have to say? Definitely. Or if they so, shouldn't, that's fine too. I mean, if if they don't want to listen to us, that's fine. Uh, I've heard that I have a very monotone voice, so I'm going to try to work on that throughout the podcast. But I think the biggest thing is that we've, we've done deals, right? People People can look us up. People can look up our company, Murphy Homebuyers. If you look us up in the county records, you can see the dozens and dozens or even hundreds of deals that we've done. You talk to people that are in the business. I hope they say good things about us. But we're we're in the trenches just doing the stuff too, trying to build our company, trying to do deals, trying to build relationships with people. So just hearing it from like the horse's mouth 
And I think that's probably the the thing that maybe sets us apart from some other people. And we do a little bit of everything. And um, we don't do everything, but we do we wholesale, we wholesale, flip, have rental properties. There's stuff that we don't do. We don't do a ton of owner finance. We've done it before. Uh, we don't do a ton of commercial, but that's our plan is to bring those people along so they can share their expertise and knowledge on the whole thing. So I'd, I'd like to think that people could, could either learn a thing or two from us or learn what not to do from us. That's that's kind of the goal with it. Gosh, there's a lot of the learn what not to do, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, with with that, I mean, we I could just kind of a look into our business today. So we're probably on a bad month buying eight or so houses on a good month, like 11 or 12 houses or properties or land or whatever that looks like. But that's kind of what our business looks like. And then our whole thing is we buy houses, you know, directly from sellers. So we occasionally will get, you know, referrals and stuff from agents, but generally we're working directly with the homeowners. There's not an agent involved. And, you know, it's a variety of things of maybe maybe it's a distressed property where, you know, it needs repairs or they inherited it or something like that. And sometimes it's just people that want to hit the easy button that sell to us. So that is our kind of bread and butter and what we do on our pages, Instagrams, whatever. You'll probably see a lot more stuff about that of whether my stuff's a lot about like marketing and negotiating with sellers Mm -hmm. or, you know, even talking about construction and flips and contractors and all of those things that you know, are kind of involved in that process. But that is what our kind of day-to-day looks like. And then with that, I'm more on the sales and marketing side in our business. I always tell people that Jason's job is to keep me out of jail. He says that's not his job, but it is. But he I'm can jump into kind of job. what he... doing a pretty good job so far. So far, so far, so good. But yeah, you can jump into kind of what what your role in our company looks like and kind of your expertise and and that stuff. Yeah. So my role, like I said, besides keeping Aaron out of jail, that's that's priority number one. Unfortunately, it's not too hard to do. The, you know, I'm pretty much the the guy that runs a little bit more of the, I would say the implementer on stuff, right? So marketing, Aaron kind of has this idea of what he wants to market to. I put it into action. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that's being uh, ordering the mail. I'm the guy that's meeting with our TV folks, our online folks, that sort of thing, creating the systems and processes to help our company run. We right now have uh, four local employees with us, and then we have two VAs as well. So just making sure that they have the processes, the support that they need to be successful. And then a little bit more of the operation side too. So a lot of the backend stuff, the stuff that maybe not as sexy with spreadsheets and that sort of stuff, but it's the stuff that I like. So that's definitely my job. And I think it complements, you know, kind of our, our skills too. Aaron's definitely more of definitely a people person. You meet Aaron, you know, just very easy to talk to, just it's great with people. And for me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm good with people. I'm all right, but I love my spreadsheets. I love the data. I love all that sort of stuff. And I think that gives Aaron hives when he thinks about it. I had a spreadsheet point in my life. It was okay. I probably not as passionate about it as you are. And then, yeah, the, I mean, the other thing is in our business, a lot of times I'm the bad guy. And then Jason's the person who is always scaring people and everyone's afraid of him and he never understands why. So that's, you know, additionally, part of our roles there is Jason like bullies and intimidates people and they, they don't know why. And he's also like super nice. So it's kind of confusing, but yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what our business looks like, what we do. Hopefully maybe 
why you should want to listen to anything we have to say. But let's let's transition into talking about the market. So I've been doing this since kind of mid-2019. Jason, probably sometime in, what, 2020, 2021? As far as what? Like started investing. Oh, investing. I'd say 2019 is when I, I started, but I would say I got a really slow start. Like I was still had a W-2 and it was, hey, can I flip property here and there? So I would do maybe one, two deals a year, that sort of thing. But it really, for me, started ramping up 2021. Yeah. So so talking about the market. So I've seen, I feel like I've seen a lot of different markets in the five years I've been doing this. So 19 and 20, it was you know fairly steady. Like if you remodeled a house and it was nice, it would sell. It would sell in a few weeks. It wasn't, it wasn't ever crazy. But it was getting to the point where you know, people were starting to kind of get lazy with flips and, you know, quality stuff. Like it would have to be quality to sell. And then if I think of all the times I've been investing, like 2019, I feel like feels like the most normal and like healthy. So then we got into 2020 and that's whenever I kind of, you know, quit working for someone else, started working on my own. And right when that happened, of course, COVID happened and everyone was afraid of everything. So I remember I had a house, My it was my primary residence that I was selling and it was under contract and everything shut down like the week before closing. And I was like, let's just hope these people still want to buy this house. Somehow they did. Everyone thought that the market was going to tank. So everyone was super scared for a month or two. And then it went like absolutely bananas for the next two years. So we went from, I'd say a more balanced market to you know, midway through 2020, all of 2021, and then kind of the first half of 2022 of like, it was just kind of like a race to the top. Like you would see a comp and you would, oh, three months ago, it sold for this. Let's add 20 grand and see if it'll sell, right? There are people getting hard money loans that were intentionally holding on to their properties because if they waited three months, it would be worth more. So that was, you know, kind of what you saw in you know, 2020 through probably about April of 2022, May of 2022. And then, and so this all may vary different markets, whatever. This is San Antonio, kind of what things look like. We had, you know, record low inventory. Everything was selling. It didn't matter if it was like a complete turd or not, it would sell. So that takes us into kind of the summer of 22 when things started to change very quickly. So rates were being raised. We had a lot of, I mean, we had a collection of properties. I think we've now sold them all, but that we just kind of collectively like referred to as our like turds from 2022 when we were still kind of being aggressive and then the market went down. So lost money on a few of those. A few we did fine on, just sat on forever, but they're finally out of our lives. So, and I, I guess Jason, I'll let you jump in here and kind of what we saw, you know, kind of May, June of 2022, and then, you know, kind of talk through what some of that looked like. And then we can, you know, we'll jump into 2023. And then finally, you know, what we saw the end of last year and kind of going into now and kind of what we expect. Yeah, absolutely. And then before I even jump into that too, it was 
Very interesting when you said in 2020 when everything stopped because of COVID, because not only did it stop because physically people weren't allowed to be together, had to wear masks and everything like that, but also people were just, the money was just scared. I remember hard money lenders, like big ones in Texas that said they were not lending at all. No more new loans and stuff like that. And then you fast forward a couple months and they are throwing money at you at like low rates because they're trying to jump in on this party, which I well, think- in, in one way I benefited from that is I- I bought several houses from people that were trying to sell to iBuyers. So mm. people that were trying to sell to Open Door, OfferPad, or Zillow. I think Zillow is still in the business at that point. Redfin, all of those companies. They like they had people that were closing, like about to close their house, like and pulled on them within like a day. So you had all these big corporations that were able to offer people a lot more money overnight said, Hey, we're out of the business. Like we're hitting pause until we know what's going on. It was a unique opportunity because like they actually needed home buyers and couldn't just sell to, you know, these huge, you know, corporations backed by, you know, crazy capital and hedge funds and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, every, everyone was really scared for a while. Everyone was scared for a while. And it's just funny because it's the pendulum had swung one way where everyone's scared, the money stopped. And then you get six months down the road, a year down the road, 2021, completely swung the other way. And then those same iBuyers that you talked about, they're offering, they're they're back in the market trying to offer stupid amounts on people's homes. And that was tough to compete with as, as a buyer trying to find stuff off market. And then we speed up, like you said, into 2022, second half of 2022, going into 2023, you have the rate hikes that really impacted the market. Stuff really just slowed down. And those same people that were trying to, because again, the pendulum had swung the other way. Everyone's trying to get in and get on these deals. You had a lot of people that ended up buying a lot of bad deals, people that lost a good amount of money because they ended up holding it for too long. And then the market just started slowing down and it really hurt them. So I think the biggest thing like we all have been seeing is, is definitely the rate hikes. That's that's really been scaring the the retail buyers from buying a lot of properties on flips and therefore scaring a lot of investors. So when it comes to wholesaling, wholetailing, the investors are getting a lot more I'd say conservative with stuff and a lot more picky with what they want to buy or just not buying at all. And so you know, we've, keep, we've seen that trend all the way into 2023. And I think- And I'll, I'll jump into, we, we, in 2022, when the market started to change, I would say for us, like around May, we kind of had this, at least in our business, you know, we kind of had this weird, like kind of standstill where it was real slow because people have been hearing for two years how- you know, there's record setting housing prices, yada, yada, yada. And then it started to slow down as rates went up, but it's like the expectations took a while to catch up to reality. So it was like, we went through this several month period of like sellers still thinking like, Hey, like my house is worth the world. And we're kind of explaining that, that, that ship sailed. Right. So it was kind of a weird time to be buying houses the way we do just cause, or even like listing houses. Cause people were still listing things like they were like in ways that worked in the past that no longer was applicable, but everyone still thought that was the case because like the news and the their whole like, I guess, idea of what was going on hadn't caught up yet. So that was kind of a weird thing we saw in the middle of, you know, kind of 20, 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And the and getting into 2023, and you might disagree with me here. So I think the end of 2023, getting into 2024, I think definitely the slowest market. I think you were the one saying it's the slowest market it's been in San Antonio in the last like what, 12 years? It was in 2023. And so if that 
that's scary to anyone. I mean, or if you if people are still doing deals in 2023 and it's that slow, like hats off to you. But but anyways, so but I think in 2024, good. Yeah. So it's it's been interesting, right? So as the market changed for us, it's different for realtors than it is for us. It's different for buyers and sellers than it is for us. But for us, it became a thing where it was it became easier to buy houses, harder to sell them. So when, you know, 2021, 2022, it was really hard to buy houses, but you could literally sell anything. And then that kind of switched where it's a little easier to buy them, but it's like, it's hard to sell them. So in last year, we kind of made, or kind of end of 2022 going into last year, we made the pivot in our business of like, cool. We we felt like we had good contractors in place. Like we will flip everything because our big thing we like doing is wholetailing or literally just buying a house, cleaning it out, listing it on the market as is, those stop selling. So we we kind of pivoted to, hey, we can fix these up. We would rather not, but we can. So expectations went higher because, you know, because the market was slower. So everyone wanted nice products. So we started flipping pretty much everything. And then Jason's probably going to talk about this, but then now we've we did that for a while and we're kind of getting out of that too. So you can you can jump into kind of last year and then going into now and once we get through 2023, we'll talk about what we think is going on this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, like Aaron was saying, you got what's transitioned from wholesaling to flipping, and now we're, we're trying to wholesale more actually because flipping with just the market being so slow for us, the money being out there and the cycle time on money is just so unpredictable. I mean, we it, it's kind of crazy. So this past week, for example, we listed a flip that we just done did and under contract in a day. And, but we've have multiple other flips that are nice flips. We've priced them below anything else in the neighborhood, below what they're actually worth. And they're sitting for one month, two months, three months on the market. And so I think the average days on San Antonio for the San Antonio market right now is around like 70 days or so is average days on market. So with just stuff, just being really slow and flips taking a while to sell, you might have something that's priced appropriately. It might be a great product, but just because of the market, it's just going to sit. You can't really do much too much about it. So we transitioning to wholesaling more this next year. That's kind of when the I, goal. And I think of I think of that example of I forget the house now, the one in Converse we had. You think in Sorenstam? The Cibolo? No, not Sorenstam. I mean Sorenstam's another good one, but Cypress the one Street. kind of in between there. I forget no, no. it's another. But you, I you lose track of house it and we're about to list it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely happens with us, but we, so we had this house in Converse. It was nice, whatever. We were going to list it and we were talking to our agent on it and she's pretty much like, Hey, honestly, it's probably worth 340. If you want to sell it quick, like you should sell it for 300. So, and that was just, you know, a lot of, and I think we ended up listing it for like 315 or 325 and, you know, we sold it with like some concessions and it was fine, but it was literally like, there's been so many conversations we've had of like, hey, this house will appraise for this, but it won't sell for that. So, which is not normally the case. Normally you're concerned of like, will the will the house appraise? Whereas a lot of the stuff now we have, there's plenty of comps, there's great examples to justify the price, but it just, stuff's not selling where it should. So, you know, a lot of the stuff we've sold or the flips we've had in the past year, we've like intentionally priced them five to 10% under market. And even that doesn't work sometimes, which is completely wild to me. 
But Jason, I cut you off. I'll let you. Uh, no, 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 you're fine. And I think I think some of that has to do with the buyer mentality too, because I'm talking about retail buyer mentality. Because I feel like they've just gotten so beaten up the past couple of years that you know, in 2021, you know, they put an offer in in a house. There's 20 other offers within the same weekend, and then unless they're coming 30k over ask, no concessions, no option period, like they're getting beat. So I feel like they're almost the mindset's completely shifted and it's almost like they're, I don't know if like vengeful is the right word, but we, for example, we've had houses where we, people like 10 showings, all of them will say, Oh, we like the house. It's good. We ask them to put in an offer and they're like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe if it's still available in a few weeks, we'll think about it. And it's like, you know, they have, they're acting like they have all the time in the world. They have options because they do, they really do. So. Yeah. And the, I, the attitude on that has completely changed because it, you know, it used to go from, you know, people would immediately set up showings and be in a rush to get there to make offers. And now it's like, we'll have houses where they'll set up a showing a week in advance. Like, eh, if it's still there, I'll look at it in a week. You know, it's just very, it's like much more laid back, I guess, or just less, less urgency, I would say with a lot of that. And then, you know, it's also changed from like, if you have a weekend now where you have five showings, it's like, man, this is a good house. When you know, it wasn't uncommon a few years ago to have 40, 50 showings and 20 or 30 offers. I remember when me and Jason started working together, this was pretty early on. We had a house that we sold like 30 grand over ask and our agent sent us a spreadsheet of all the offers because there were like 25 of them. Like it was like, it was a lot of fun. I would be okay with that coming back, but it's it's just completely changed on you know buyer expectations. Or even now, if we get a an offer, it's like they want like fifteen grand in concessions, and it's like the first day on the market. We had one of those the other day. It was a good offer, it was full price, but then they wanted ten grand off, and then they wanted it bad enough they paid more. But it's just it's very much changed from you know what we saw a few years or months ago. Yeah. The one you're talking about, I have my little spreadsheet, of course, pulled up. And so it looks like we sold, yeah, like springtime of 22. So April of 22. Definitely missed those days. But what were we Um, we, we talking about right before that? But yes. So going into kind of the end of last year, and then, you know, of course, now we're in a new year. So San Antonio was at like pretty much not an all-time high, but it's like 10 or 12 years we haven't had this much inventory. So, you know, we're talking like 12 or 13,000 houses on the market. And I don't have it in front of me. I should pull it up. So I'm not lying, but you know, it's like two or 3000 selling a month when in COVID times for reference, it was like 3,500 to 4,000 houses on the market and 3,500 selling a month. So it was like nothing. So it's just a lot slower. Average days on the market's over 70 right now average price list to sell is like, I want to say it's like 92 or 93%. So, you know, there's lots of price reductions, lots of stuff sitting on the market. But the crazy thing is like, based on that, like if you price it well, it still takes 70 days. So all of that impacts how you're investing, impacts, you know, what you need to buy your deals at, impacts, you know, how many projects you can do at a time, impacts your, you know, speed of money, like all of that stuff. Right. And it's, it's things that we haven't had to deal with or think about for the past few years. So that's, that's definitely been a change on our end, but yeah, so it's, 
going into the end of the year, you know, we're we're kind of this weird, weird spot where inventory's high, higher than it's ever been. I always tell people I feel like I know absolutely nothing about the market right now because San Antonio for me has always been one of those places where there's enough demand that if you price something right, it sells. That's not really the case anymore. We've had several houses that are priced really well and they just don't sell or they sit for six months or seven months or whatever. And then we have stuff that we expect to sit and it doesn't. So I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing right now. So Jason, and it's it's comforting that we we talked to a lot of other friends that are investors too, a lot of other flippers, great operators, and they're all seeing the same thing too. So it, it's somewhat comforting knowing that we're not alone and it's just a, a Jason and Aaron experience, but other great operators out there are also facing the same challenges as well. Well, and it, it's interesting too, because I think we try to do a pretty good job of like keeping our finger on the pulse of what's going on. You know, we talk to lenders, hard money lenders, our title company a lot, like a lot of the people that will know kind of volume and what's going on, know if people are busy or not. And and it's interesting because I feel like on social media, you hear a different story. And then we talk to any of our friends that are actually doing deals and everyone's slow. No one's selling like, no one's selling their flips the first day on the market. Like no one's, you know, I mean, yeah, it happens, but it's not the norm. But like, I'll see agents who I won't name that all my houses are under contract, you know, like I'm crushing it. And then I'm like the the person that's petty enough that I go look it up and I'm like, okay, all your stuff's on contract or under contract, but it was on market for 120 plus days. Like, okay. Like that's not really telling the whole story. So I, I think it's interesting, but the more people you talk to now, you realize a lot of people are seeing the same thing. It's slow. People feel like they price houses, right? And they don't sell buyers expect the world. We've had like, just really weird requests. Like, you know, we had the lady who liked the house, but smelled the carpet and didn't like the way the carpet smelled. We've had like numerous requests of like, Hey, like I want sod in the yard, which I've never had before. Or I need $18,000 for a new fence because the one is completely functional, but I'd like a new fence. So it's a weird time. Things are slow. You know, we can talk about going into this new year, what we think's happening or where we think that's going. So Jason, you want to jump into that? Yeah. And so you you might have a different perspective than me, but for me, I think that the the mindset shift, everyone's expectations is finally normalized and everyone realizes it's a slow market, both on the buyer and seller side for investors and realtors. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. The, the regular market buyers and sellers, uh, retail people. And so I think in 2024, I think I don't expect rates to go down significantly. I think they might go down a little bit, but I don't think it's going to go down anything significantly to where we're going to see stuff in the twos and threes like before. But I think that stuff will be slow, but I think it'll start to normalize out a little bit. And that's kind of my hope too. But I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess my hot take on 2024 is I think right now is probably the best time to buy a house. Not because like I benefit from it, not because I'm an agent, but I think it's the best time we've had in at least a year, probably a year and a half, maybe even two years to buy a house with the combination of rates starting to come down and the Fed signaling they're going to continue to cut rates, which we can jump into what we think that's going to do. But inventory is super high. So highest it's been in 10 or 12 years. 
Days on markets, highest it's been in 10 or 12 years. All of those things are at a high and then interest rates are the lowest they've been in over a year. So they're not low. They're not twos and threes and fours and all that stuff people talk about or dream of. But, you know, it's not at the point where it just seems like completely crazy to buy a house. I think right now, I can't predict the future. I don't know. I think if rates go down like crazy, the market will go crazy. But I don't know if that's going to happen. So I think right now we're in this window where it's a really good time to buy a house. You know, people, builders are still offering crazy incentives. Rates have gone down. So it's a little more affordable. You know, I I just think that there's opportunity right now that there hasn't been in a while where there's still a ton of inventory. You can still get a lot of concessions and repairs and whatever you want, but rates are more affordable than they have been. The thing that it feels like we really lost in the past year were the people that buy a house because they like want to buy a new house, not because they need one. Like the the people need to move, need to buy a house, you know, are relocating for work. All of those people are still buying houses. It was almost like we just eliminated all the people that want to buy a new house every three or four or five years, right? Because people would look at it and say, okay, I'm living in a $600,000 house. I can now afford to buy a $400,000 house. Like, why would I do that? So if the rates go down, I think we'll get some of those people back that want to move, don't have to move. But yeah, I think right now is a very good time to buy a house if you are in the market to buy a house. What do you think about home prices? It could pricing? get better. It could go crazy. I don't know. What do you think about home prices? Do you think home prices are about leveling off? Do you think they're going to trend downwards, upwards? At least in San Antonio, we didn't drop off much, even over the past few years. Like maybe a little bit, but not really. So, you know, there were markets like, I mean, you go an hour north in Austin and like they drop 20 or 25% in a year's time, which is scary. But I feel like ours didn't change too much because it was almost this like stalemate between sellers and buyers of like, hey, I'm not giving giving my house away. And buyers were like, oh, everyone tells me I should get a house for free right now. I think prices will pretty much correlate with whatever rates do. So I think in general, they'll kind of trend up. If rates go down, I think prices will go up. It depends on inventory and stuff too. But I just think most people, when they look at a house, not that I agree with this, but I think most people are just looking at a house of like, what's my monthly payment? What's the most I can get approved for? Not necessarily like, honestly, I think most people don't care if it's a $300,000 house or a $600,000 house. They want to hit that monthly payment of X and they will buy as much as they can to do it. That's that's my thought. So yeah, no, I think that's true. People get pre-approved for 300,000 like they're going to buy a $300,000 house. That's just always how it goes. Yeah, so I think it's more of those things of like not necessarily like prices will go up because they're going up. I think they'll go up to like pretty much match whatever rates do, right? So that's my thought on it. I'm no expert by any means, but I think I don't know. I I just feel like we also have a lot of inventory too, so I feel like in the news, you hear a lot about, you know, there's no new houses being built and there's an inventory crisis, but we have a lot of houses. I think the thing right now is like, is it the inventory people want? Like, because people are picky, like, you know, there's no like, hey, I don't want the house with the green carpet. It can sit forever. I want the nice one, the new one, the remodeled one. So it'll definitely be interesting, you know, if rates start to come down and, you know, kind of what, what things look like. Yeah. And this is kind of a side topic, but you mentioned stuff up in Austin too. One reason why I like investing in San Antonio is to me, there seems to be steady growth and also steady decline. And so we we have Austin, that's an hour, hour and a half north of us. 
And they're kind of the opposite. They've been booming lately. I'm sure everyone's been hearing about all these California tech companies moving over there. And so we, I mean, I would talk to someone a couple months ago and they bought the house for like 400,000. I think within like two, two and a half years, it went up to like 1.2 million. And then within the next year, it was down to like 800,000. And I know that we alluded to losing money on some houses and that's because, you know, the market shifted and that sort of stuff. And we lost some money, but I just couldn't imagine doing that volume at that price point in places like Austin, Nashville, you know, those sorts of hot places. And you're stuck with, you know, three, four properties, millions of dollars each. But that's that's one reason why I like investing in San Antonio. I feel like it's very, uh, not as boom and bust. Just kind of a side note. For sure. So I th- honestly, I think that's a good segue into kind of what our plans and strategy as a business look like for 2024? Like where are we headed? What are we doing? What are we changing? Or maybe what are we doing different than we did last year? Do you want to chat about that a little bit? Absolutely. So one of the, Aaron kind of alluded to this too, is that we're starting to shift more towards a wholesale model. In the past, we haven't been had haven't had to do it just because the market treated wholesales and flipping super well. With things being a little bit more uncertain, with the inventory staying on the market a little bit longer, we're, we've decided to basically wholesale more just to bring back pretty much like cycle time on money a lot faster is one. And then we've also scaled too in the past couple of years. I mean, when Aaron, you and I first partnered up, we were, I don't know, four, five deals a month. Now we're pretty much double or basically more than double that. And so with that volume too, it's just hard to take on that many houses. So that's that's the big shift for 2024. We've there's going to be some growing pains too. And this is me just kind of giving people insight into our company because again, we haven't had been forced to create those processes and systems and stuff to go out and find buyers. We usually just work with some are bit some of the bigger wholesale institutions here and partner with them. But yeah, that it'll it'll be definitely learning for for us trying to wholesale wholesale, excuse me, more. Yeah, I just love the the cliche, I'm I'm wholesaling this because I have too much going on. Just because that's what everyone says when they every, wholesale something. Every wholesale like, cool, ever, yeah. It's such, a good, it's such a good deal. Why don't you buy it? Every man? wholesaler ever. Yeah, it's like such a good deal. Why don't you buy it? You're selling me on how amazing it is. And it's always like, I just have too much going on. And then, of course, I poke around more and I'm like, you ever flipped a house before? And then they like block me. But yeah, it's just funny because... We we say that, but it's like a, a true thing. As as capacity grows, you can't you, know, you can't buy a million houses a month. I mean, if we had unlimited money, unlimited lenders, all that stuff, would we love to? Yes, but it's a thing of it's a capacity thing that no longer makes sense. So that's one thing. And then I think a lot of it for us is just we we like the idea of wholesaling more to be more nimble on our business. It's a little easier because we can pay people out of wholesale fees when. If not, we're paying people out of pocket and we're not getting paid for months. So there's a lot of reasons it makes a lot of sense for for us and for us as business owners. But with that too, you know, we're I think that the thing that Jason and I, one of our many struggles and mistakes in the past is we never had like very clear criteria on what we were doing with houses when we bought them. So we've always been the people that like if we tell you we're buying it, we buy it. But then sometimes that would be like, we would buy the thing and not have a plan for it. So, hey, are we going to flip this one? I don't know. Like, are we going to wholesale this one? I don't know. And you want to wholesale it? Like, that's, you know, we buy things that kind of make sense. Like, we we get them at good enough deals where they make sense for kind of whatever. But we were never, you know, super clear on our criteria of like, hey, we like to flip 
houses in this area with these margins and this price point, or we want to make, if we're going to wholesale it, we want to make 2x what we'd wholesale it for. Like we've never been super clear on that stuff. So for us, it's been a thing of we want to wholesale more just because it's, you know, faster, kind of cleaner, all that, but also just getting clear on our criteria because we've had, you know, we've talked about the market and stuff, but like we had a flip that closed last week. We thought we'd make thirty or forty thousand dollars on it, and we made like twelve or fifteen or something. And I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, no one feels sorry for you. Like, but if I could have not done that work and not own that, that would have been the preference. So, and I think we we've had enough of those in the past year. Of hey, we thought we were going to make X on this project, and we made a third of that. That we're just kind of reevaluating. Like, cool. If we're going to flip something, like, what's the criteria that we make that decision based on? If we're going to wholesale it or wholesale it, what's the criteria we make that decision on? So that's one thing that we are definitely changing. Yeah. I, I guess you... my, my question for you, Jason, I'd love to get your thoughts on or for, you know, the audience of, so we're talking about, you know, we buy quite a few houses, we flip quite a few houses and we are kind of making the, I want to say fully making the transition, but we're somewhat transitioning to flipping less. So if you are, interested in flipping or maybe a new investor, like should what we're doing, you know, steer you away from flipping or kind of what are your thoughts on, you know, should people be flipping or, Hey, I want to do a flip. Like, should I do that? If I'm a new investor, like what are your thoughts on that for, you know, someone getting started? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that because we're shifting away from the flipping model that people should be scared of flipping. I think that flips are still selling. They're just taking a little bit longer on their market. And I think that's there's still definitely money to be made for flips. And so something that we actually have been doing the the past year and are still doing right now is we created something called the first time flipper program. And that's pretty much where we will sell someone one of our deals and we will help them walk them through the rehab. So these are people that have not done a flip before, or maybe they've done one and it's gone pretty, pretty they've had a bad experience with the flip before. So we try to set them up for success. We vet the deal for them. We'll give them lender contacts, contractor contacts, pretty much everything that they need to do the flip from A to Z. And we do that not because we're trying to just pawn off all our deals and sell people bad deals, but we do that really because uh, we still think flipping is a good way to generate income. And we think that we just want to help people, I guess, get into the flipping game. So we we really do stand behind you know the deals that we sell and flipping in general. It's just for us in our business model where we're at now, we're not planning to flip as much. But I think that flipping is still a great strategy if you know what you're doing. You just got to be conservative on the numbers and really know what you're doing. And if it's your first one, like partner with someone that knows what they're doing or have them you know really help you out because. You know, I see a lot of new investors losing a lot of money on flips if they don't know what they're doing and don't connect with the right people. Yeah. And I would say the good, the good and bad side of that is when, you know, shoot, I don't know how many flips we've had going on at a single time, probably up to like 10, I would say. Yeah. I but mean, the, we thing, can, the thing with at that time, is, we, yeah, you know, we own like up to 20, 25, half of them we could be rehabbing at the same time. So the good side of that is like when you have issues, it's like, like I don't really get worked up about, things going wrong ever. Jason's working on that. He's getting a lot better. <laughs> well, but it's a thing of like, hey, I have all of these going on. Like what's one house getting broken into? But the other side of that is it, you can quickly have a ton of holding costs, a ton of exposure. Whereas 
you know, if you're flipping one house, when things go wrong, it feels a lot heavier. It feels like the world's ending, whatever, because it's your one project and you had, you know, you had the plumbing leak while someone was showing the house, which we had this week, right? So brand new flip and they walk into a puddle of water. If that's the only thing you have going on, that feels more significant than if you have several projects. But at the same time, like, man, the, like I think back to my W2 job, if I could have made an extra 10, 15, 20, 30, $40,000 in a year, like that would have been insane. So I think that the, the impact is still there. And even if like, it's not like you had to do this full time, but like, you know, how, how life changing could it be to make an extra 10, 20, 30 grand? Obviously there's risk involved. I'm not saying there's not, but I think that's, that's the difference. And, you know, you're not, if you have one project, it's not, you know, a ton of holding costs. It's not, you know, all of those things that we experience at a different level, just because we have more going on that, you know, it's kind of making us scale back a little bit and steer away from that. But I think, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. And one of our guys just flipped a house and he made, he netted what, what JP make 40,000 on that house. And he owned it for, yeah, somewhere 30 to 40, somewhere around there. 35, 40,000. He owned it for 60 days. Like that doesn't suck. Like that, like walked away, like net, net, like $35,000. So, I mean, I think it's, it's not a bad strategy. It's not a bad thing to do. You know, for us, it's, Hey, let's figure out like, it's a capacity thing and a cool. Do we want to be doing this? Because almost a different business, right? So, which I think we both have learned over the past few years of, you know, buying, buying off market houses as a business, like Airbnbs or short-term rentals as a separate business, remodeling houses, a separate business. And we're like good at like one of those three. So that's kind of where we're at and why, you know, us pivoting one way doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a bad idea for other people, but just kind of wanted to explain that perspective and not, you know, kind of put that off of like, hey, if Jason and Aaron aren't flipping, it's a horrible idea because because we don't think that. So anything to add to that, Jason? Did I, did I like communicate and explain that well? Yeah, I think you, re- you very much did. And just one thing I wanted to ne- zero in on that you said is, yeah, we, we have our hands in a lot of different pots just because we've been in the business a lot longer. We do a little bit more volume. So that includes rentals, that includes flips, that includes wholesaling stuff. If if one person is trying to get into it and their sole focus is on flipping, I think they're going to like, I think they can do a very good job. I mean, we just worked with a nice couple that went through the first time flipper program. And I was, I could not believe that that was their first flip because they handled it so well and so professionally. But again, that was like their only. Yeah, I think they're better at than we are. Yeah. They are. And that that's because I think they were able to focus pretty much a hundred percent of their time and energy into the flip. And so, you know, if you're able to do that hundred percent versus us where we got 10 other things going on and we can only put 10% of our efforts towards it. And yeah. Kelly has magical grass growing skills that I don't understand. So if just, we were, <laughs> they were about to list yeah. this house and they're like, the front yard was like barren. And then Kelly, the wife was just like, oh, I had some grass seed. I'm just going to see if I can grow a yard in like three days. And then we went back like a week later and it was like this, like, I mean, it wasn't like the fullest yard ever, but it was getting there. And I was like, this is like amazing. Like for San Antonio you're, you're in the wrong business, you need to be like growing grass for a living or something. For San Antonio, it was green, green. So she was just like, yeah, I was just doing the rain dance and praying over the grass and it worked really well. It is magical. Whatever, whatever happened there. 
But with that, man, I think it's probably a good time to wrap unless you have you have anything else, Jason? No, other than, you know, I'm excited to kick off the podcast and continue to do more episodes and really just bring people like that local micro perspective because you know, we have we see a lot of other podcasts, bigger podcasts, bigger pocket bigger pockets podcasts, man. And a lot of these other ones, which are awesome podcasts, and that's how I got started. But it's just it's different when you hear those things versus, hey, I hear Aaron, I hear Jason. I'm I might run into Aaron at the coffee shop. They talked about this title company. I can go in person and, and talk to the title company if I need to. There's just a very different feel when you can you could feel like you actually know the people and they're local. So I'm excited for the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then it wouldn't be a podcast without me telling you to follow us and like and comment and share and all that good stuff. So I'm on Instagram. It's just, it's just Aaron.Beal. Jason, are you investor, investor Jason Lee? Yeah, best, yep. Investor Jason Lee on Instagram. So if investor you guys- Investor Jason Lee. Yeah. yeah. So give us a follow, DM us. We love chatting with people. So yeah, we're glad to help however we can. If this is helpful- like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And thanks for hanging with us. And we will see you next week. All right, later, guys.